customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show Legal Analysis Edition. I know that's what you come to this podcast for is hardcore legal analysis. Well, that is kind of what you're going to get a little bit of today because the Supreme Court has handed down a ruling in Alston versus the NCAA. As Ari Wasserman and I are recording this on Monday morning, this ruling has been out for about a half hour and it's something. It is a... It's pretty interesting to put it in terms that we college football fans can understand. Did you watch the LSU Oklahoma semifinal in 2019? Did you watch that semifinal? That's what this was. The Supreme Court was LSU and the NCAA was Oklahoma. So the except the NCAA didn't even get to put Spencer Rattler in for two plays at the end. Yeah, well, I, I always knew that when I went to U- University of Arizona Journalism School that I'd be able to to break down 50-page Supreme Court ruling documents and, and kind of analyze them. So, you know, that's exactly why I got into sports journalism. But this was kind of, um, you know, something when, when you – if you read through it, and, and most people probably didn't, I, I wish I didn't, but there were certain por- portions of this <laughs> where it kind of felt like – the student athlete finally had a voice like for the first time where people were actually saying what student athletes have been feeling for a long time, which is basically what the, the NCAA football uh, monster is a billion dollar industry that generates, you know, millions and billions of dollars and everybody's getting a piece of the pie, but them. And, you know, this is the first time in, in, in modern history, I guess that we could say, and it's a pretty significant day where the Supreme court of the United States is saying that too. And now the NCAA uh, has to, you know, you know, come up with some different answers because, you know, this is, is some. I think this might be the first domino that falls that kind of changes the paradigm of the entire sport. Well, and and here's the thing: you've got this name, image, and likeness stuff. The states that have passed laws that go into effect this year; those laws go into effect in two weeks. Uh, the the rest of the the NCAA is not passed a rule that, that that you know they haven't passed any rules that will cover the rest of the states. I think they were waiting for this ruling before they did, because in talking to, to conference commissioners and those sorts of people, they wanted to know what the ground rules were going to be. 
And here's the ground rules. I, I, I think you know Neil Gorsuch wrote the majority opinion, but Brett Kavanaugh wrote the consenting opinion. And I think the Kavanaugh consenting opinion is written in a little bit plainer English, a little easier to understand what's going on. And basically it says, you know, the court ruled in this case. And in this case, so if you didn't know, this case was about whether the NCAA can make rules to cap, quote, educational expenses. And you can you can read into that whatever you want. But basically, they're no longer allowed to make any rules that cap educational expenses. But here's where the schools and the NCAA really lost here. He says, though the court doesn't weigh in on the legality of the NCAA's other rules, you should worry about that. If they are challenged, you're probably going to lose. And the last line of, of Brett Kavanaugh's opinion is this. The NCAA is not above the law. And so basically, this is one of the more conservative justices. Remember, Kavanaugh's a Trump appointee telling the NCAA, hey, you got to stop this. You are breaking the law. You are colluding to keep their, you know, the athlete's salaries down and you can't do it anymore. And it's it's not going to go well for the NCAA if they, they keep, because this is, I mean, this is a strong rebuke of the NCAA. Just an absolute nuking of what colleges considered sacred. The, the, the you know, they, they call, they, they call amateurism something that is historically sacred, even though it's really not. And the court just destroyed that today. You want me to read the, uh, the, the most, uh, moving portion of this for people? Uh, and yeah, I, I thought this it. was, this is the one, the one part of it that I was just like, damn, this is probably the, the graph that you got to too. in that where you were like, this is the Oklahoma LSU game. But, uh, Kavanaugh wrote, in my view, that argument or the NCAA's argument is circular and unpersuasive. The NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student athletes in innocuous labels, but the labels cannot disguise uh, the reality. The NCAA's business model would be uh, flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. All of the restaurants in a region uh, cannot come together to cut cooks' wages on the theory that customers prefer to eat food from low-paid cooks. Law firms cannot conspire to cabin lawyers' salaries in the name of providing legal services out of the love of the law. Hospitals cannot agree to cap nurses' income in order to create a purer form of helping the sick. News organizations cannot join forces to curtail uh, the pay of reporters to preserve a tradition of public-minded journalism. Movie studios cannot wait, collude. Wait, wait, so we, we, when we work for newspapers, are it's just because they were cheap, right? Yeah, Not yeah that's right. Colluding. I think they were just cheap. Okay. That's, I laughed when I read that part. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then the last line of that was, movie studios cannot collude to slash benefits of camera crews to kindle the spirit of amateurism in Hollywood, which basically he's just using other people, uh, other normal jobs to say, hey, nobody else is getting slashed because of the spirit of the tradition of amateurism amateurism, which has been, I think, the biggest racket in the history of the world, uh, other than the Star Wars movie franchises. But I guess we can talk about that some other time. Uh, <laughs> That's another like, podcast yeah. for another day. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's just kind of like you can call it what you want. You can say whatever you want to say. The, the, the tradition of the game, amateurism models, the sport that everybody loves, all the things that go into play with that. But when it comes to the actual letter of the law, you know, these kids are 18-year-old adults uh, and older, and telling them that they can't go make money in the free enterprise is insane. And it was it feels like it's only a matter of time before 
you know, uh, this was going to happen. And it's, a, it's kind of amazing that it's taken this long when you think about how crazy it is that you can, you can limit an adult's ability to make money based on what they've achieved themselves. And the thing that people don't realize, too, is that even though these college football players are technically amateurs, Andy, I don't think people realize how much work, blood, sweat has to go into just achieving a scholarship or to get to this point in your career. So you're, you're not just talking about a bunch of peewee football players. I mean, these people have put in right. more work to also, get to it's college not a, football. it's not a gift from the school. Like, you, there's something you have to give in exchange to receive the scholarship. Absolutely. You have to do your part to make their billion dollars. But I think you can make a case that a, a college athlete who has been playing football since he was nine years old and going to camps and and the hundreds of thousands of dollars some parents are paying and, and, and personal coaches and, and trainers and all the things that they've worked as hard at the craft of football as most young professionals have worked at the craft that they went to college for and they're in their first jobs. And you're not saying, Hey, there's a, there's a, you know, any 25 year old in America can't be a millionaire. That's not the way the world works. So, you know, I, I think that this is a huge step. And um, the, the one thing that I think is always the, the curious thing when we talk about college football in general, not just Supreme court cases, but, it's when things like this happen, it's the immediacy of how we feel about it and we discuss it. But, you know, the unknown is how f this is going to manifest in the long run and the other laws that are going to come into question. And this is just the educational purposes background. They haven't even talked about pure compensation to athletes who go to school at these places. So I, I th think there's a lot coming. A, this, I think. Is, this is a warning, basically saying you better change your rules or all of these will fall. Because they fail, they fail the test. And <laughs> I mean, Brett Kavanaugh essentially swatted down every stupid argument you've ever seen on Twitter about why it's okay to not let the players make money. I mean, it is really, it, it's almost like he went on Twitter and looked at all the stupid arguments and said, okay, I'm going to nail this one. I'm going to nail this one. This is one of my, my other personal favorite quotes. Businesses like the NCAA cannot avoid the consequences of price-fixing labor by incorporating price-fixed labor into the definition of the product. Or, to put it in more doct doctrinal terms, I don't even know if I can say any of these words, a monopsony cannot launder its price-fixing of labor by calling it product definition. I mean, he, he's just throwing haymakers at the NCAA. And they're going to have to figure this out. You know, they, they are going to have to decide... What they want to do, and so here's here's what's going to happen. Let's let's take the the folks through the next few months and years as they deal with the what what happened here. You're going to see some people say, "Well, that's the end of college athletics as we know it. It'll never be the same again." Yes, it will. You'll have some people say, "Well, we're just going to go to Division three. Remember when Jim Delaney was the Big Ten commissioner? He threatened that. I do. Yeah. yeah, they're not. Let's let's have a little conversation about human beings and, and what they do and incentives. Ari, this is a multi-billion dollar business. College football on television makes millions and millions and millions of dollars. If you put Alabama versus Georgia on television right now, millions of people will watch. That game will be worth millions of dollars. Whatever the athletes are making does not change that. So the ADs who think this is the end, don't worry. Many people will happily do your jobs for half of what you make now. The coaches who think this is a problem, don't worry. 
many people will happily do your jobs for half of what you make now. You know, the thing that I find interesting is it's the psychology of people who are afraid of this. And it's just, I don't know if it's the same psychology of, of the people who are afraid of the expanded playoff, where it's just like, this is how it's always been, so we have to keep it this way. But, like, what do you think is the main reason that those Twitter people exist in the sense of preserve amateurism? That's what it is. Like, do they like uh, the idea well, that that this is like a Rudy film and that everybody who plays college football bleeds the colors of the team that they graduated from and that – all that matters is the love of the program and doing it for the program and the university or like, what what are they afraid is going to happen that they're not going to get their sport anymore for the people within the system, Ari, they're protecting well, the money. Yeah, like, no, I get that part. And yeah. I, but I understand that. At least I understand that. That makes sense to me for the other people. I, I hate to say it. I think it's probably, they're just stupid. I really, there, there's really no other way to, to say it. They're probably just dumb. They probably don't understand that things change, world, the world changes, the world moves on, and it's probably, I'm scared of everything that might be different than it was yesterday. It just which like is, it, it would be how, an, It's how morons view the world. It, it, it's just kind of an interesting situation because when you look at like, if McDonald's Corporation decided that all of their athletes are, or I mean, all of their employees are going to be paid... $5 less than minimum wage because the sanctity of McDonald's was from changing fast food in the, <laughs> the 1950s. Sanctity of quarter pounders. Yeah. yeah, the sanctity of like being able to preserve the the hamburger and the fast food industry and wages were that in the 50s, so that's what they should be now. Like there would be outrage. Like I and it's funny the reason why I I read the the graph out of the the decision the way that I did is because that it just like for the first time there's actual comparisons to like what's happening in in the real world with other people. And I think, well, you know, just the, everybody's the wage, been making that comparisons for uh, those comparisons for years. This is a, I'm not on this, this side though. Court the, the, the person, right. the side who made court it. Justice. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that that's a little bit different. And <laughs> yeah. it's just like insanity because I just, if it was your family member or it was you, everybody's trying to get paid, you know? Yeah. And, and most of the things that people do don't go into a system that, that, produces as much money as college sports does from a television standpoint, from a tickets, concessions, merchandise. I mean, the amount of money that is being generated here is so outrageous that it's almost insane to think that like somebody like Tim Tebow went through the entire process and didn't make a dime off of it. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who are actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 
86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats it might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and it's time you join that number. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash CFB23. That's linkedin.com slash CFB and the numbers 2-3 to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I don't talk politics much on social media or here, but if you've talked to me, if, you, if you've read between the lines, you know I like capitalism. I'm a big fan. Go get money. But the difference is I am ideologically consistent when it comes to liking capitalism. I believe college athletes should be able to enjoy capitalism just as much as college athletic directors should be able to enjoy capitalism. And... It, you find in this argument, in, in this debate, that you get a lot of people who are staunch capitalists who are trying to defend something socialist because they think that is, is I don't know what it is, but it's not consistent with their beliefs. So the fact that you have a, a, a politically conservative justice come out swinging like this, that should tell you this is anti-capitalist. Let the people make the money, let the market figure it out, and it will, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, and everybody's for this until they go into a place uh, or a room with their, with their superior and they say, you can't get paid more. Then all of a sudden, I mean, everybody is always very quick to tell somebody else how they should spend their money, but nobody wants to mess with their own money. You know, and it's just like, it's so easy to be on Twitter and to tweet at reporters and say, hey, these kids are amateurs. They don't deserve to get paid. And just like, well, how would you like it if somebody started to talk about how you should get paid? You know, and it's just kind of like this, like disconnect between, and like, I don't know what it is. Is it like fans of the sport? I always wish I could have had a scholarship. I'm, I'm paying student loans and they're not. That bothers me. Well, here's my thing. If you are paying student loans because you didn't get a scholarship, that's your fault. You should have studied harder. You, not even an athletic scholarship. There's a lot more money available in academic scholarships. It's, it's your fault. You don't. It's always you funny get a too because I tell my dad yeah. like if I would have uh, applied myself sixty percent harder in high school, I would have saved you know thirty grand because I got a three point three and I did absolutely nothing in high school. And if I would have tried harder, I would have been able to get an academic scholarship, and it would have in the, the the fact that I didn't get a scholarship is my fault, you know, and I'm not saying that everybody has the ability or the, the, the resources or the time, you know, everybody's circumstances are different and it's not as easy as just saying, Hey, go get a scholarship, but there is opportunity for everybody but to don't, go out there don't and cry about it. Cause you didn't get one and somebody else did somebody else worked their butt off and got one. Like, don't yeah. cry about that. I don't, and and I just also like, it's just a viewpoint. That's not a, yeah. It's a viewpoint of fans to, the athletes. I don't know what it is, but there's just it just kind of rubs me the wrong way of just like you guys are there to entertain us, but you can't benefit from that entertainment. And it's just like I don't know why that exists. And it's yeah, just we don't, we don't we don't say that about the NFL. We we all watched the yeah. Atlanta Hawks game against the Sixers on on Sunday night. Nobody said that about you know Trey Young. So like why we don't say is that with Kardashians? Different? We don't say that I with know. kids on the Disney Channel. We don't say that with anybody else. 
And I just don't know why people think the sport is better because they're unpaid. Again, they don't. They just think it needs to be the way it was because they don't want things to change because they are afraid of some unknown thing because it's the unknown, probably. But it won't dilute your enjoyment of the game if some dude is making money off his Twitch stream. It just won't. And here's, here's what I think it is. Can I, can I give you my, my thought? And it. then you tell me if I'm nuts. And again, I'm 100% for this. I think that people who work as hard as these guys do deserve to have a piece of the pot, um, pie or have their hands in the pot, whatever you want to say. But I think that there is a certain segment of fans who watch the way that professional athletes can act in certain situations or the fact that certain professional athletes have leverage financially over, over the institutions or the organizations that they play for, whether that be holdouts, whether that be demanding trades, whether it be sitting out because they're millionaires already, or they have some sort of leverage. And I don't know that people who work common jobs who make, you know, 50 to 150,000 a year, which is a, a pales in comparison to what most professional athletes make like that. And Wait, did you say 150,000 is a common job? That's not a no, common just, job. That's a 50, pretty high paying no, job. No, 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 no. I meant like 50 uh, uh, to 150, I thought would cover just about everybody. So 30 to 150. But even if you make 150, yeah. it pales in comparison to what an athlete is making. I'm not saying that. Right. I, trust me, 150 is a lot of money. I'm not saying it's not. I hope that that's not how it came across. I was just trying to cover the entire population as much as I could. Right. Um, I got you. And. But then you're looking at an athlete who's making seven to 20 million a year, and then they're upset and they sit out or they want to trade or whatever it is that happens. You, you watch ESPN. There's something going on with a professional athlete every day, and it all is financial. And I think that people who love college football have a different view of what they love about their alma mater and the sport than they do about how they love a professional team. And I think what they're afraid of is that once kids or, or young men, I should say, in college football start getting yeah and women uh but football specifically because you know this is what the podcast is about the the idea is they don't want people to have leverage against the institution because there's a viewpoint that they love their school and they love their alma mater and that this is a pure for the love of the game type of sport and it's not a business and it's a way of like putting your head in the clouds and they are afraid that now these 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 athletes who play for their school will have some sort of financial leverage against their program and then that could change uh the way the sport is played maybe an unpaid or a previous unpaid amateur athlete who loses everything by sitting out will decide to sit out now or maybe that player will be upset that he got benched and he'll take all the money that he made off of Twitch and you know, go to another place or whatever, all the yep. things, the drama that comes from, and I think that people are deathly afraid of that. That's my theory. I don't know if I'm nuts, but that's, that's kind of the way that I view it. They don't want you it to feel to hear, like the NFL. Yeah. You want to hear my counter theory to that though, which I, I hadn't really thought about until a few months ago. What's our favorite part of the NBA season and off season? What's our favorite part of the NBA free year? agency? What's our favorite part of the NFL year? Or one of, well, one of our favorite parts. The game free agency. In the NFL I, I'll say free agency, yeah. but yeah. And the draft. But, like yeah. player acquisition, player movement, all that stuff. You can say whatever you want. We've proven over and over, we love that stuff. We yeah, love transactions. It. Yep. Yeah. 
We absolutely love that. And I'm not saying we as reporters. I'm saying the public loves Everybody. it. Everybody loves it. Our stories and, and do say, better when we're writing about transactions than they do about when we're writing about the yeah. games. Yeah. You, a person, individually may not love that. People love it. And I was kind of in the same boat a, a little bit, Ari, as the people you're talking about who didn't necessarily want college football to become all transactional, even though it really is. I mean, what stories of ours get read the most? This coach got fired. This coach got hired. These are the coaches that, that might get hired. There's no difference, really. It's the prom- so, promise of the future. People are obsessed with what's going to happen in the future, which is why it's exactly. so funny that this is something that's so pushed back on because the future here is is wide open. Well, and, and that's the thing. I think people will wind up enjoying it, but it, it is scary at first because this has been a system where and, – and a lot of it is college sports and college football in particular – there is already a built-in element of change and a built-in element of, of looking forward toward the future. So, like, you probably think, okay, you don't need that other stuff to enjoy those transactions, to, to enjoy following that stuff. And you may not. And you may not enjoy it. But I, get a, I, I have a sneaking suspicion more people than, than we realize are going to get into, like, the transfer portal stuff. Now that guys can, can move around. It's free agency in college football. We keep looking at it as, oh, no, it's free agency in college football. Instead, given our consumption patterns with the NBA and the NFL, it should probably be more like, it's free agency in college football. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Here's the thing that I always think about, and this is partially because of my background covering Ohio State, but do you remember how people acted when Maurice Claret tried to sue the NCAA to go to the NFL draft early? Like, do you I remember to sue like the how, NFL, but yeah, or sue yeah, the yeah. NFL or whoever, whoever he sued and then didn't play or, you know, just, it's been yep. almost 20 years since that happened. But that was like one of the biggest stories of individual player empowerment or an attempt for individual player empowerment. And then at Ohio state, again, you had players who were suspended. You had a coach who got fired for lying to the NCAA about, you know, people selling their own personal possessions. And th- this By the is way, something- none, of, none of that stuff happens under this, like this, the yeah, stupidity right. of the the what happened to those Ohio State players doesn't happen. And don't if you want to go back and read the receipts, go read what I wrote the day it happened. I told yeah. those guys go pro now because it's stupid that you have to deal with this. Yeah, no, and it makes sense. Uh, and it just been a lot of diff, just like different individual player. Like Terrell Pryor was one of the best athletes I've ever seen play football. And there are mixed feelings about whether or not he should be welcomed back by. Uh, some fans to Ohio state after what happened there. And it's like, what for selling his personal possessions. And I think that there is this weird, and I use Ohio state in his example, because I had a front row seat to the way people were reacting to these things. And I wonder if that right there is the entire crux of what we're talking about right now in 2021 of, we don't want athletes to, to benefit. And if they do, we don't want them to have power until they go get paid. Because it brings uh, distractions to our favorite program. It brings distractions to our university. And maybe they wouldn't be distractions under the new rules. But the idea that these guys had some sort of power to go collect off of what's supposed to be the sanctity of love for the university. And it's just like, I think people view college football through the Rudy movie lens. And it's just like, that's not reality. It's not the reality in recruiting. It's not the reality for the coaches who get paid. It's not reality to the 
to the assistants and the recruiting staffers that are making it's hundreds of thousands. reality for the Rudys. <laughs> Listen, if you go watch Rudy, you will f- you'll watch a movie about a walk-on athlete who loved that university so much that he sacrificed his body just to be on the team. And it's like, I think most people view college athletes in that, in that viewpoint. I think people think these guys love this university the way that I love it. And they're, they love it so much that they don't even care or they are okay for going a salary in order to love this university the way that I do. And you're like smiling at me and laughing, but you don't think that's real? Oh no, I, I think it's a hundred percent true. I do. Okay, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And and it's the, like if somebody makes is, like, if if the star player on Florida or Alabama or Clemson or whatever makes because these guys have a chance. The, the biggest stars like the Trevor Lawrence's of the world have a real chance to make some life changing amount of money. But for the most part, the majority of the sport still has to play. But I think they are terrified that they are an Alabama fan and their best player at Alabama is going to be worth over a million dollars through endorsements and Twitch and all the things that he'll be able to do. And he might decide one day, I'm not going to risk injury anymore because I'm already financially set. I'm not going to play in the Iron Bowl. And I'm going to illustrate that I don't love my program the same way that the fans who tune in every Saturday do. And I think that's the entire like center of what people are afraid of. I think so too. But here's the thing. Alabama football is worth a lot. The best player in Alabama football should be worth a ton. You know who he's not worth as much as? Nick Saban. So I don't. I wouldn't worry about that. Like, who's who's worth more? Nick Saban or the best player? No, I know, I know, I know. It's not. It's not the preaching NBA. Preaching the choir here, it's, man. It's, I, it's not. It is. It is not the NBA where LeBron is more valuable than Frank Vogel. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Now, there may come a time when, when it is like that. If you have a, a coach, and I'm not talking about Alabama, uh, but let's say you have a school where the coach is just kind of so-so, and he locks into a great quarterback. That quarterback may actually be worth more than the coach. But guess what? He probably was already. Do you think that that we are going to see in 10 years a world where players hold out, a world where players demand to be transferred in the middle of the season, um, uh, a world where they act differently because they've already made the money? Like, do you feel like that is what's in store for college football once you get money involved? No, because money was always involved. And that's the part that everybody conveniently ignores. Real above the table money for the athletes to actually 
you know, not only make the money, but enjoy the money. Will there be holdouts? Maybe. Just just all the sorts not. of professional athlete yeah. behavior. Probably not because the time window is so compressed. The kind of play, let's, we're talking about college football. The kind of player who's good enough to hold out or, or even register as a holdout for that to matter is probably only going to play college football for three years anyway. So, no, I don't think so. And will guys sit out? Well, we've been talking about that since Jadavian Clowney was going into his junior year. It's a possibility. I mean, we saw guys opt out last year and still get drafted. But I don't, I don't think so. The, the, the other part that we sort of forget, you know who didn't have to play a single down of college football last year? Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence and Justin Fields. They got, they got college football played. So the part that people seem to forget is just because money's involved does not mean love of the game goes away. There are still people who love playing college football. There are NFL players making millions of dollars who, if you took that millions of dollars away, would still go play for free or even pay to be in a league because they love playing. That will still exist whether money is part of it or not. Will it change the motivations and the incentives for some people? Yes, it will. Absolutely. Will it completely change the fabric of the sport? Nope, it will not. All you need to know is Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields didn't have to play at all and would have been drafted in the same places they were. Instead, they didn't just say, hey, I want to play. They launched a movement to ensure playing happened for everybody. During a pandemic. Yes. So before you decide that injecting some cash into this is going to turn all these people into raging profiteers that, that... don't care about anything. Just look at what's actually happened. Because... And they still need the the platform of college football to get drafted and make the real money. Right. Yes. Money's still the... Money's a motivator, but there are other motivations here. And those other motivations don't go away. And you're right. And, And this is the part that I keep talking about with, you know, Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson. And everybody's like, well, you know, they're just going to get all the best players. They already get all the best players. It cannot be more lopsided than it is now. Maybe with this, somebody else will be able to, to build a team that can compete with them. Right. Did you see that viral video uh, from that fake Ikea worker? Who? No. Oh, okay. There was a viral video where he, he would say um, the most common things that customers would say when they come in the store and they're um, complaining about something. Well, can you go the check in the back? are made of horse. Yeah. <laughs> can you go check in the back? Can I use my coupon? And then he, like after he would use what they would say, he would come back and go, but they already, and he, and it was like funny because you could do one for college football. And I, most people listening to this probably saw that video because it went insanely viral. Um, but I think Andy Staples should make a video and I'm going to send it to him after the show that, um, reads out Twitter complaints about compensation and then hits a rebuttal right away. And then you'll see it when you're done. It's, it, that would be really funny and might go viral. It, it might, although I've been doing this for what, 12 years. How long, how long have I been on Twitter? 12 years. So I've basically been doing that <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't. And also I hate to say it. 
I can't compete with Brett Kavanaugh because he he said it a lot more eloquently than I ever did. Yeah, I know. I guess we have to read this this last line here. Uh, the bottom line is that the NCAA and its member colleges are suppressing the pay of the student athletes who collectively generate billions of dollars in revenues for college ath- uh, colleges every year. Those enormous sums of money flow to seemingly everyone except the student athletes, college presidents, athletic directors, coaches, conference commissioners, and NCAA executives taken six to seven figure salaries. Colleges build lavish new facilities, but the student athlete who generate the revenues, many of whom are African-American and from lower income backgrounds, end up with little or nothing. Like, I don't even know. Like, after that, it's just like, what do you even say? Just like, okay, yeah, you're right. Like, that's it. Embrace the future. That's it. Embrace the future. The sport's not going away. My experience, people don't just walk away from things that make millions of dollars. So, like, Nick Saban's not going to quit over this. And if he does, somebody else will happily take the job for $4.5 million instead of $9 million. So, it's going to be fine. It may be different. But it'll be okay. And just like Ari said, embrace the future. Because the future is coming. Yeah. And it's coming in a big way. And if you think about just this, this, la- I had a, um, uh, a player of a recruit that I wrote about last year, sent me a text with the, uh, uh, or two texts in the last week. Uh, one of which was the expanded playoff. And then the other one was today, the Supreme court rules. And it just like, he was so happy because of the opportunities that it could mean for his son who just signed with a team in the 2021 class. And it's just like, those are the people that we have to think about, you know, like, and when you, when you actually put it in perspective between the transfer rule, the NIL stuff, this Supreme court thing, the expanded playoff, like we're just in a the summer of 2021 is going to change the sport forever. And what it looks like in 2031 shouldn't be something that people are afraid of. They should be embracing the idea that, this is evolving like everything that is worth anything ever should, you know, and I know that there are certain things that you wish never changed. Like I wish McDonald's hamburgers were as good as they were in 1950. Um, but that doesn't mean that you weren't born yet. You don't know if they were good. Let me put it. How this do you way. know? Let me let me put it this way. I think we can both agree and, and know that the product of hamburgers in a fast food setting in the 50s and 60s were probably of higher quality than they are today. Like I wasn't, I wasn't alive uh, for a lot of things that happened before 1987. But that doesn't mean that I can't make a judgment about whether or not they were terrible or good. But I, but I think this is part of the problem, Ari. I, I think part of this is is romanticizing an era that never actually happened or that you weren't even alive for. I think that's what where where a lot of these people get tripped up, where they're so scared of the what's going to happen because it's not going to be like it was. When you know before they were born, when their parents told them stories about something that may not have happened that way, like it's just don't worry about it, worry about the future, worry about the now. You're gonna have to spend a little more at Five Guys to get a better burger. It's just, it's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. But the guy at Five Guys, well, Five Guys is competing on salary with Panera Bread and with Chipotle to see who they can get, to try to get the best employees. I guess everybody has to follow those rules, even in the NCAA. Crazy how that works. Hate to see it. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you Wednesday. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.